Warning, this show contains childish adult content and is intended for immature, mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views spoken are hours and hours alone, not those of any other bugger. If you're easily offended, we strongly suggest finding another podcast. Everybody neat and pretty, then on with the show. Welcome to another episode of that Disney Parks podcast. Now, this is a little bit unusual because it's just me. And I know for those that listen, I recently did a Disneyland Paris podcast episode by myself, but it's not a habit I really want to get into. That said, the reason for me being here today on this episode talking to you now is because I recorded an interview with Tom Armin. Tom is someone we've had on the podcast many times before. For those that don't know about Tom, where have you been? Stop living under rocks. Uh, but he is uh, a musical artist who normally, not normally, sometimes, not mostly, but sometimes releases albums of Disney music. And he had a new album coming out. And so we said, hey, come on the show. We'd like to you know, have you on, talk about the album. Uh, you know, let people know it's out there and, you know, we'll stick it in an episode. But I found the chat so interesting that I thought, you know what, I'm not going to hold off on this. I'm not going to um, wait for it to be included in part of another episode. It stands by itself. So instead of it going into a a regular episode as, uh, you know, a segment that we do, I thought, no, this deserves to be its own thing. So that's that's what this is. This is going to be a chat with myself and Tom Amin about his latest album. So that's what we've got to look forward to. While I've got your attention though, we're doing some great stuff over on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash that podcast. Um, go and subscribe. Why are you not a subscriber? You should be. It's where all the good stuff is going. Um also, we are discussing, we're discussing, we're certainly discussing certain changes that we're going to be making going forward. Still at a far too early stage to tell you what that is right now, but be prepared. That's all I'm saying. Be prepared. There'll be some changes coming. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's, that's, that's all I've got to say for now uh, in general. Um, Tom will be here to talk about his album and uh, it's great you know if you've not listened to his stuff before it's piano based music um, about Disney songs all the albums have a theme to them there's been a Star Wars one before there's been one more um, kind of like a a lullaby sounding uh, interpretation of, of Disney songs they're always great to listen to they're available on all major streaming services just search Tom Armin and um, yeah, there's quite a few for you to go and check out if you've not done so uh, before. But he's got a new album out, and that's what we're talking about today. So I'm going to stop talking about the introduction, and now just play you the interview I recorded 
with Tom Arming. Enjoy. Well, we are joined by, I think, the guest we have had on more than any other over the years. You've uh, you've encompassed different brands. You've in, you've encountered different hosts at different times. Uh, you are probably uh, as as regular on this show as some of our actual co-hosts. Um, so I'm delighted to uh, welcome once again uh, Tom Arming to the show. How are you, Tom? I am good, Nick. Thanks for having me back. I can't believe I've been your most guest, like the guest that's been on the most. This is that's a big <laughs> honor for me. I like this. I can't remember how many times we've had you on now, but well, I mean, it's been a while. Yeah, it's, it's been a while, but I mean, we've had you on for nearly every Disney album. Or theme park related album that you've done so what what number is this you know i don't even know i would say this is <laughs> so about number many. six six or seven maybe the seventh one right maybe seventh yeah. disney album i think yeah it's around it's around there yeah yeah so <laughs> we've had you on because i remember we we uh, we've had you on you did a a, a star wars album um, so oh, we had yeah. you on for for that. Well, I think that, I think that might have been, if I remember, that might have been around the time the Force Awakens was coming out. I think. I think you might. I think you're right, but I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and look at the exact yeah. dates, which I don't know. But that one was a while back. The Star Wars album was a little while back. Mm. And I think, yeah. if I remember rightly, I think the last album you had prior to the one that we'll we'll obviously be. Uh, discussing uh, in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was the the Lullaby album. I did. I had the Magical Meditations. Yes. Uh, and then after that, I had the Softer Side of Magic, and that was the last one before this one that's brand new. So it was uh, uh, Magical Meditations, Softer Side of Magic, and now this new one. I think uh, it was Softer Side of uh, Magic, the one with. Um... Alice in Wonderland. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. So that that was yeah, that was the last one I remember Got talking it. about because uh oh that was the one um that you had baby baby mine on. No, I, baby mine was on the one right before. Oh, that, that was on the that meditation on one. Magical oh. meditations, yes. Yes. I, yeah, I, I I still have never <laughs> listened to the whole track. I, I just I just can't. It's it's I know. it's lovely. Still too sad. Uh, it brings back memories. I know. I, I think I remember that from last time. <laughs> I know it's a sad song. It's a hauntingly beautiful song. But oh. I feel like you talked about before. It's there's a sadness to it. There's just some mm. kind of sadness to that melody. That yeah, it's 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 interesting, isn't it? Because there's a few songs that um they don't sound like each other but that have that mm-hmm. but still have that kind of like um haunting melody like um and i know you've done this as well um was um the song from uh sleeping beauty what's that one called i've lost i, I know what the song is once upon a dream that's the one yeah i knew i knew if i started playing it you know i know but that but that that's another song where there's a jolliness to it, but also there's this almost kind of like sinister undercurrent um, mm-hmm. underneath it as well. And it's interesting how how the songs, you know, especially I'd say older Disney songs, more mm-hmm. traditional Disney songs, you know, can be like that. 
You know, they can sound both melancholy and happy at the same time. Sure. Um, it's, yeah. it, it's, it's interesting. Whilst I think, you know, obviously more modern Disney songs, um, and obviously it's a different style now that you get with uh, songs made for Disney films, but you don't tend to get that so much. They they're quite black and white. They're either upbeat and powerful, or they're they're sad uh, and and lonely. Um, you don't kind of get the juxtaposition that you you probably did back in those kind of traditional Disney uh, films. Yeah, it's different. The writing today is different, as we know, than the writing from the fifties and the sixties and even the early seventies. Even if you just look at pop music and how it's different today than it was back then. They really had such a focus on great melodies then. Not that they don't now, because when you're writing for a Disney film or a Pixar film, whatever, they, the melody is very important, which is great. But back then, it was a different style, you know, and they were coming off of the big band era in the 40s, and they had all these yeah. great different chord progressions and things that we don't normally hear anymore in our pop music. But back then, you know, they had a bunch of different ways to... to um, to write music and they used a bunch of different chord progressions that we just don't use anymore. So it was a much more interesting kind of time for writing, I think. And maybe it lends that self to that where it can be melancholy and still joyful, mm. but there's a sadness to it. And it could just be the diversity back then was a little bit different yeah. than it is today. I yeah, think. no, I, I, yeah, I think, I think that that actually uh, makes quite a lot of sense. And, you know, we're recording, you know, just, just for the, um, revealing behind the curtain a little bit but we're recording this um just after um the passing of uh of Burt Bacharach who, oh and what a talent he, oh, oh I I oh. I, I love Burt Bacharach and um I was explaining to my my daughter yesterday um that he he, he just died mm-hmm. and she said oh that's really sad and I said well I said he was 94 I said like you know that's a long life and she said oh sure. okay I don't feel so so sad now but then I thought actually I don't think you know much of his work so I started I found uh like a playlist and I started um, okay going through those songs and the interesting thing with with someone like him I, I mean obviously he had a very long career he's his main I suppose popularity was you know in the in the the 60s into the 70s um yes but you listen to those you listen to like his songs they they, they're so they're so varied like you you'll get something like a a walk on by a a magic moment uh the Mm -hmm. one that i had the most fun playing my daughter was uh what's new pussycat um yes because it's such a (laughs) i mean it is a, a in so many ways, a weird song, you know, lyrically, right. tonally. Um, but you you go through that and then, you know, into his later stuff like um, Close to You by the Carpenters um, mm-hmm. and um, Arthur's Theme uh, that Christopher Cross yes. wrote. It, yeah. The thing is, it's when you listen to um, the whole thing like like that and you're, you're kind of like flipping through like a, <laughs> you're in a time machine, mm-hmm. he, he never... You could hear it was a Burt Bacharach song, but at the same time, they it, it evolved with time. Like he never, what he was doing in the in the sixties wasn't what he was doing by the eighties. But sure. but you could still sure. hear his touch in there. You could still mm-hmm. tell it was a, a Burt Bacharach composition. But his eighty, you know, early eighties stuff doesn't sound anything like his sixty stuff. It's yeah, it's 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 um 
it's strange. Um, but yeah, I mean, what what a, what a talent. And um, yeah, a loss, but yeah. at the same time, someone who's got such a, an amazing uh, back catalogue that uh, oh, I know. You know, we'll look, I know. And it, it influences people, right? You know, it, it oh, you know, absolutely. all that stuff does. And although I just, I didn't slag off modern Disney music, but, you know, people that write um, songs that we're going to talk about from your album in a minute, mm-hmm. even up to now, though, we'll still talk about, you know, listening to the work of the Sherman Brothers. Sure. For example, that stuff doesn't yeah. sound like they've copied the Sherman brothers, but you can mm-hmm. still hear some influence in some of those works from that kind of bygone era when they did mm-hmm. used to write and produce music in a completely different way to, uh, to what we do now. Exactly. And, but that's the good thing about great songwriters is that they can influence people for generations, you know, mm. because their music is so good. The melody writing is so strong and they just have this gift of writing music that's either catchy or that gets in your ear that relates to people. And that's with like with Burt Backrack. Like his music was so he loved to play with rhythms and he had such interesting odd rhythms in his songs that weren't like what regular pop songs were doing sometimes. You know, they were mm. like, Do you know the way to ha- San Jose? Like all these intricate like rhythms and syncopations and it was so great. You know, it was so awesome. And like you're right, then in the eighties when he re- when he wrote the Arthur theme. You know, when you get stuck between the moon and New York City, it was a total '80s like pop song. Yes, which sounded different than his '60s stuff. He, yeah, I've I've always loved Burt Bacharach, and I'm a huge. Karen Carpenter is one of my favorite singers of all time. Sure. So they did a lot of Bacharach stuff, and they even have on one of their albums a Burt Bacharach medley, which is a lot of fun. Oh wow! To listen to, yeah, it's a medley that they but that she did wasn't um. Uh, what do you get when you fall in love? Was that a Burt Bacharach yes. song too? I can't remember. Yes. That's, yeah. 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 That was the Carpenter single that was like one of my favorites. Okay. Like from his. So it's they yeah, he just he has inspired a lot of songwriters through the years. He was an amazing, amazing songwriter. Yes. Um, but you you've asked an interesting question, or you or you've made an interesting statement, I think, with your mm-hmm. latest work, which mm-hmm. is what you've said is literally in the title, even villains have a soft side. So <laughs> yes. which I mean it's an interesting statement and I, I I agree I do agree I think the I think the interesting thing for my my kind of journey with with Disney films you know starting off obviously when I was very small watching whatever Disney films were available on, on video for the first time uh-huh. um, right up until uh, now when we've got I mean I, I often say this my daughter does not know how lucky she is having something mm. like Disney Plus that she can activate any time. <laughs> right. We yeah. had whatever Disney would allow out of the vault. If <laughs> right. if your parents bought it for you, you had it to watch over and over again. And if they didn't buy it before it went back into the vault, you either mm-hmm. had to wait for it to get a similar re-release or you might be lucky and they might show it on TV at Christmas. Um, right. Or you'd have yeah. to wait for it to come out on video again. You know, like... Snow White, I remember Snow White, that was my first ever cinema experience was seeing Snow White during one of its many re-releases, but okay, I okay. saw it in, I think it might have been 85, 86, something like that, and then the video, it, it didn't come out on video until the early 90s, so I saw it right, once, right, you're right. and I never saw it again, but when I was watching those films, 
Um, and I, I think this was the idea, is you watch a Snow White, you watch uh, a Sleeping Beauty, um, you watch a, a Beauty and the Beast, mm-hmm. or a Little Mermaid, and you know you are scared of those villains you are you are in in fear and you don't like them because mm-hmm. they're so evil and horrible and look at what they're doing and then as you kind of change as you as you grow and you understand the world a bit differently and you go back and watch these films again you actually i wouldn't say always agree with the villains but you can quite often see their thought process what's led them down this path why have they why are they doing these things which on the surface seem quite horrible um but then there might be a backstory or there right. might be right. something that you you didn't pay attention to when you was a child that you watch the film again then you then you see something different um and then i think your view of those villains then changes and you kind of like them sometimes a bit more than the person you're supposed to be rooting for in the first place because they're funny or they're cool or their songs are great. Um, and that's what you've done with this album, right? You've you've looked at some of the, uh, the classic uh, and popular Disney villains and the songs that they sing, and mm-hmm. you've done, you, you've added your own touch to them. That's exactly what I do. I, I have the same idea that you had, that you just talked about, I wanted to see the villains from a different side, from sure. a different perspective. You know, we see them as these evil people. And of course, you know, you need, you know, what do they always say? Like a great story, hero story always has a great villain in it, you know, because you have to have that, the yeah. yin and the yang kind of thing. So of course, these villains, we love to hate them and et cetera, et cetera. But there's always a different side to them. And I would think about like what, like what you said, like what made them this way? Were they always like this? Did something happen to them, you know, that changed them? And of course, like with Darth Vader, we got to find that out when they did the prequels and tell the story of how he became Darth Vader. So it's that kind of concept that I wanted to do on an album, like take villain songs from Disney films and a couple theme park rides and reimagine them to sound different, like sad or chill and contemplative. That's kind of the big thing I was going for here was contemplative. Like, what would these villains be like if they were more serene? And that's kind of what I did. Yeah. And so what was your... And we'll, we'll obviously go through uh, the tracks that you've done, but when you approached this project, what was your what was your thought process? Like, what was it that you... Because obviously, you can't record everything. You can't go through right. the entire Disney uh, oeuvre and go right you know every film has a song by a villain i'm gonna do those you're you're gonna look at those songs and go right which ones do i want to to do and you know you know is it because you like the song is it because you like the villain is it because you like the film what was the how did you narrow down your choices i did it as i looked to the films that i loved and the films that i wanted to tackle and i knew i wanted to start immediately with the 90s renaissance from Disney, because that's what really influenced me. I was in my late teens, early 20s then, and I remember seeing Beauty and the Beast in the theater for the first time, and I was blown away. I mean, Nick, I I didn't feel like I was watching a cartoon. I felt like I was watching a Broadway show. I couldn't get Mm. over how beautiful it was, the animation and the story and the music. The music was so amazing. So I knew I wanted to do like the little mermaid the lion king you know um 
Beauty and the Beast, et cetera. I wanted to start with those. So I chose the villain songs from those. And then I always loved Hunchback of Notre Dame. I, I don't know. Do they call it Notre Dame? I know that like here in America, we're so, <laughs> it's so brass. We say the Notre Dame or whatever, but I know it's the Hunchback of Notre Dame. You know, like yes. that's how it's. Yes. But that's how I love, Europe. it's very, I feel like Hyacinth Bouquet and Keeping Up Appearances. It's Dom. It's Dom, right? So I wanted to do the, because that that's one of my favorite villain songs is Hellfire from the Hunchback. So yeah. I want to do that. And then I just went through some other ones that I personally love, that I had an attachment to. So, for example, like I did Corella DeVille, because I've always loved 101 Dalmatians. And I did put in two theme park songs because I think I thought I can fit these in here. They'll be fun. So I did <laughs> Grim Grinning Ghosts, right, from Haunted Mansion and the Pirates of the Caribbean, right? Uh, Yo-Ho, Pirates Life for me. Yeah. And Yo-Ho or Pirates Life was actually the first song I recorded. The first one, that was the first idea I had was to do it the way I did. And I loved how it turned out because I had this great idea to turn it into this like pop, chill kind of song. And that's the first song. That's what I started with when I recorded so I, I was just picking songs that like that meant something to me for the most part. Sure. Okay. Well, we'll we'll go for it. Before we do go through the track listen though, um, one question that's I don't think I've asked you previously, and mm-hmm. to be quite frank, we've done this so many times that you know this could be the first time anyone hears from you. So it doesn't matter if I've asked this question before. But when you go and record, uh, or you you choose to record a song, so Pirates Life and Me, that was the first one you did. So. Mm-hmm. At that stage, what is your process of doing that? Do you get uh, like a the, you know a sheet of music for that, or do you know that song so well that you just do your own interpretation of it, which sounds you know very similar to the original, but you're you're doing it kind of almost from from memory rather than actually reading music. Yes. Now, some most of the songs I do, I just know by heart because I've played them so many times throughout the years. So mostly it's just songs that I know, but there are some songs where I will buy the sheet music and download it because I want to check out exactly how the melody is written or I want to see how a certain chord progression is written out. So for example, on this album, I know we're going to go through all the songs, but I did buy the sheet music for Mother Knows Best because I really wanted to look at that song and see where is the melody because you know mo- a lot of that song she talks sings it there's a lot of talking yeah. in that song and now that explains why that song is so short on the album but uh <laughs> i just wanted so i wanted to do that but all the other music i pretty much knew um and then bill of sale which is from pete's dragon there is no music available so i just sound that stuff out when there's no music because i have a good ear like i can hear things and just play them so Sure. That one I kind of sounded up, but yeah, I did. I do buy sheet music when I need to. Oh, and I did buy the sheet music for Hellfire because that has a lot of key changes in it. It's a little, little complex in certain parts. So I wanted to sure. make sure I got that correct as well. So I will buy stuff when I really want to look at it. But for the most part, it's music that I played so many years that I can just kind of make it up as I, you know, as I'm creating it. Sure, and, and that's, you know, obviously. You, you know this is this is your life um yeah. you know, playing music like this um but i always find it fascinating because uh, i don't i don't speak to many musicians um but when i have you know people do have different ways of, of doing things sure. um but yeah I, I i thought that was uh 
an interesting question to ask, and it was an interesting sure. answer. So I was, I'm glad I asked it now. Um, yeah, cool. But let's look at the album. Let's look at the album. So, um, cool. what what kicks us off? Now, the very first song is "Poor Unfortunate Souls" because I thought mm. it would be nice to start out with uh, Ursula mm-hmm. from Little Mermaid. So I wanted to do that song first and make it this really chill, contemplative kind of ballad. Instead of this big, boisterous Ursula, we have a more quiet, like thought-provoking Ursula, thinking about like what would she do, or maybe she shouldn't be doing what she's doing, and turning those the mermaids into those little creatures, and you know what should I do? So that's the song that starts off the whole album, and I think it's a good song that sets the tone for the rest mm. of the songs on the album. It's um, it's a it's a great film, uh, the Little yes. Mermaid. Um, you know, I think I think. Um, a lot of people my kind of age, so I'm almost 40 now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we was all, you know, five, six, seven ish when that film so came you were out. Young when they, yeah. yeah, yeah. And weirdly, um, I remember going to see the prior film, uh, before Little Mermaid came out, okay. which was okay. uh, Oliver and Company. Oh, um, okay. but I didn't see Little Mermaid because oh, it's a princess film. But it's one of those ah. films. It's one of those films, which is weird because I did go and see Beauty and the Beast, which is a princess. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the Little Mermaid was one of those films that um, I I caught a lot when I was a kid because everybody I knew had it on video. So it was one of those films that I didn't see at the cinema, but I did see a lot as a kid. And learning about that film and learning about uh, Ursula as a character. In you know, and I'm talking the Disney version, not the you know the original mm-hmm. Hans Christian Andersen right. story. But it, it is fascinating to me because I don't know if you know this, but uh, Ursula was kind of originally uh, envisioned to be played by uh, Divine. Oh, I think I heard that somewhere. Yeah, so that which also oh. kind of explains you know the look. Uh, of Ursula with that like kind of like mm-hmm. big bouffanty hair, right? Um, because it it was it was like so it was, you know it was based on a drag artist, right? Um, wasn't performed in the end obviously because uh, Divine had passed away before uh, the film was finished, mm-hmm. and it wasn't and it, you know Ursula was eventually played by uh, a woman, um, but that was right. the, that was the kind of like thought process into that character which I find fascinating because when you when you know that and you look at the design of the character, you go, oh, yeah, I, I, I understand that. And also the way that she sings, you can you can kind of get that vibe as well. Um, right. But it, Poor Unfortunate Souls is one of those songs that I think if you asked people what their favourite song is from The Little Mermaid, it, it's mm-hmm. up there. I mean, everyone loves Ariel's <laughs> song as well. Right. I know she's, she right. has more than one, but everyone, you know, you know the one I'm talking about. Everyone loves right. that one Ariel song. But... Yeah. Poor Unfortunate Souls is such a a great song. It's a, a cracking way to kick off an album, if you ask me. Thanks. Yeah, it's a great song. It's an awesome song. And the melody sounds really good slowed down. So I was really happy with it. I thought it turned out really well. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. Um, and, and so what, what do we have next? Now, the second song is Gaston from Beauty mm. and the Beast. Because I wanted to take his song and turn it into more of a lighthearted ballad. Kind of in the beginning, it's played as almost like a music box, kind mm-hmm. of on the upper registers of the piano. 
And I just wanted to make it sound really light, fluffy, but yet still chilled. You know, like still really chill. Like he's not this big, loud, crazy guy. He's just this like chill guy that's walking around town, you know what I mean? And just asking questions and being nice to everyone and that kind of thing. So I wanted to make that song really chill and lighthearted, very lighter than than it is in the movie. So yes. that's kind of what I went for with with Gaston. It's uh, it's a great it's a great uh, song. Uh, there's something. I mean, obviously, you know, you're doing the your own version, also a a, a non non vocal uh, version right. of the song. But the lyrics are so funny. I know. Um, it's it's really. I mean, because the thing is, really, Gaston's a horrible villain. Like he's not. <laughs> there's there's not much to really like about him. Um, right. You know. Women can swoon over him, absolutely. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But he's he's not a nice guy. You know, he's very full of himself. Um, right. He's an egotist. Um, he's he is obviously very judgmental um, mm-hmm. and opinionated. And mm-hmm. yet, you know, that's such a fun song in the film. It's a great in both song. Films, you I know, know, it's a, a whole know. great sequence. It's a whole, it's a total toe tapper, you know, in the middle of the song, mm. the movie. And it's this great, huge, you know, fun waltzy type kind of song. It's a great song. It's an I earworm. Mean, it's an earworm. It totally is. It totally is. So that's why I wanted to definitely put that on the album and change it up a little bit. <laughs> so, but you'll, I think when you listen to it, you'll notice that the playfulness of the song is still in my arrangement. It's still in there. But it's just a quieter, more chill kind of version of it. Yeah, it's almost like um, it almost got a lullaby type quality to it. Yeah, I think you know that's kind of what, especially in the beginning, like when it's played mm. in the upper piano, it's got that lullabyish music box kind of thing, vibe, which is totally what I was after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. excellent. Cool. Um, so, 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 uh, yeah, that's that's the first two tracks done. What's next? Then I have the Yoho of Pirate's Life for me as track number three. And this is, of course, as we know from the Pirates of the Caribbean ride in Disneyland and Walt Disney World and all over the world, this is the pirate song. You know, Yoho, Yoho, but but And it's just really, you know, the real song is a fun, like slashing your beer mugs together kind of drinking song, you know? So I wanted to turn this into a ballad, like a pop ballad kind of. Mm. And you'll notice when you start the song, you're not going to recognize what it is right away because it has my own original introduction. So right. I made a nice piano intro to it. And then I start the melody and I, I let it breathe in certain areas. Like I don't go right from one part of the song to the other. Like I let it breathe a little bit, give it some room. Sure. And it kind of sounds like a nice pop ballad you'd hear on the radio, I think, or something <laughs> to that effect is what I wanted, this chill you know, relaxed song where these pirates are just sitting around, you know, talking about their lives, but in a good way, they're not pillaging anything. You know, they're not, they're not robbing anyone. They're just sitting around like a campfire talking about their lives in a nice chill kind of way. And that's what I went for. And I have to tell you, it's one of my favorites. songs. like, I love how it turned out on the album. It was really cool to do. It's the only song on the album where I used a click track, which is like a constant metronome beat. Yes. So I wanted to keep the beat for the whole song to make it that pop ballad which most you know pop songs now they don't slow down and speed up and so there's just like a constant beat the whole song that's what i wanted for this piece as well so i did use a metronome on this try it was the only one i did it for uh 
but I thought it turned out great. Like I really like how it turned out. The, the vibe of it is really fun. I think it's if you're a theme park fan, uh, specifically a Disney theme park fan, because you're not going to hear it in in a theme park by somebody else. But right. it's such an amazing song. It really gets you in the mood before you get on the attraction. And I mean, you hear it on the attraction as well. But for me, it's mm-hmm. it's. It's the anticipation of of um, boarding the boats. Yeah, it's hearing it in sure. the queue line, um, and you can like smell the water almost. You yes, know? <laughs> when you hear the song, you can smell the water. And I can I can confirm, having been to uh, the the attraction in in the world and also in Disneyland Paris, uh, the smell of the water is is pretty identical. Interesting, you know, almost, Isn't that nice? almost <laughs> as iconic as the song itself. Um, right. But it's a but it's a it's a great song. It's it's one that I I always uh, enjoy listening to, and mm-hmm. I like the fact that you've done something a bit different to the beginning because I mean that the the I, I don't consider the beginning of the song in the attraction, but it, it is really. But that kind of like yeah, it's the trumpets that start the horns. Yeah, yeah, it's the horn section is great, but yeah, very hard to do on a piano. You know, they sound yeah, completely you, it different. It wouldn't sound so. the same. Yeah, it no. wouldn't sound as good. No, <laughs> it wouldn't. So that's why it's fun to just slow it down, do a, a totally different piano intro, yeah. you know, that, that fits the piano, and then take it from there, you know. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, and and the thing is, that's, that's the great um, advantage of you doing an album like this, is that, yes, you're taking songs that people know, but you are... You know, you're making them your own. You're you're putting yeah. your own slant on these tracks, um, and you know sometimes that's because you need to make amends because of the nature of how those songs are originally constructed. And you're doing everything mm-hmm. on the piano, but also it does then make it your version, just not kind just of a cover own... version. Right, like I want to make sure I just put my own spin on it, yes, so that it sounds a little different. It's not just it's not just a straight piano cover. Like that's what I try to do with this stuff. Do a little bit of a spin on it. So it sounds a little different, but yet you still know what song that is. You yeah. know, that's yeah. kind of what I try to do. No, excellent. Um, what's next? Now the next song is probably the most different of them all is the Imperial <laughs> March. It's the Darth Vader theme from star mm-hmm. Wars. Now this I'm a little bit older than you, Nick. So I was slightly. a child in the 70s. I was eight years old when Star Wars came out in 1977. So there was a huge influence on my life. You know, Star Wars. We've talked about this before. And I love, I was a so, total Star Wars junkie as a kid. I had all the figurines. I loved, I just loved all of it. But Darth Vader scared me as a kid. Like he was scary. Oh, you know, he my was God. A Absolutely. Proper scary villain, which was really great. So I wanted to take his piece because you know john williams is my idol like i he's you know i love his music and he has a big influence on me so i wanted to take this john williams march because it's a real it's a march you know the the real song is this heavy duty march and it's very driving it's very forceful and it's fantastic i wanted to slow it down and make it into a little ballad but change the time up a bit so in musical terms most songs that we hear are in 4-4 timing, like that you hear on the radio or whatever. Yeah. We count four beats every measure and we keep going. 
I wanted to turn this into a waltz. So I changed the timing to a three, four time so that it sounds really different than the original March. And it's slowed down, slowed down a bit. So it sounds like a waltzy ballad, like something that you might dance to at a Vienna waltz club or like something like that. And again, I did my own introduction. So when the song first starts, you don't, you don't know what it is because it's this really pretty little eerie little melody playing. And then I go into the, to the March. But I really like how this one turned out because it makes his character so contemplative and so like chill, you know? It's not like this forceful, evil guy. It's this contemplative guy. This is I, I like I imagine like him sitting in his Death Star, like looking out the <laughs> windows, you know, saying, Should I really be building this? Like, are we doing the right thing? Like that's kind of what I had in my mind when I was doing the Darth Vader theme. And I thought it turned out really well. It's it's very different, but it's still stays true to that original because the melody is all there you know it's just it's this different kind of version of it so and it's interesting um what you was talking about earlier about um you know you you mentioned uh darth vader and the fact that we we do see this other side of him because of the the later star wars films that we had and Mm -hmm. you know already we've discussed um ursula and, and and gaston um in, in, in the previous tracks that you've done. And what's interesting at the moment is that, you know, we're getting a lot of live action films. Or obviously mm-hmm. <laughs> Poor Unfortunate Souls is very well timed because the little the new Little Mermaid film is, is coming out uh yeah. later this year. Um yeah. and we've had uh live action Beauty and the Beast and we also had and I know we'll come to it later on, but uh Cruella, which sure. was wasn't hundred and one Dalmatians the film, but it was the backstory of Corella. And mm-hmm. it's interesting because obviously in that film, you see, you know, how Corella became Corella. Corella. You know, what what mm-hmm. led her down that path. Beauty and the Beast, though, you didn't really get so much of that backstory of Gaston. You got bits and pieces, but it didn't really flesh out where he was, uh, you know, what changed, why he became who he became. So Mm -hmm. it's going to be interesting with The Little Mermaid, um, what they'll do with Ursula, whether or not they do give her a bit more of a a backstory. Because I think, certainly in in my way of getting over my my fear of Darth Vader, which I also had when I was a kid, um, (laughs) is that you, you meet Anakin. And you you see yeah. Anakin as a child, and you see him, you know, become a young adult at, before eventually becoming Darth Vader. You see that journey, and you see the decisions and and, and what happens to him that leads him on that dark path. So mm-hmm. it's it's interesting. It's interesting when we when we see this. I agree, and it just puts them in a whole different light, and you just see them in a different way, and that's what's great about the backstories and i do hope they do that with ursula a bit in the live action little mermaid because that would be really interesting to see i think you know yes. a little bit more of a backstory for sure yeah now the next two songs one i don't think there's any kind of backstory to a character at all the, the one <laughs> after i think there isn't one but i think we I, th- I think we can assume things about that character so We'll mm-hmm. talk about trusting me first because, okay. again, that's an, another song from a, a classic Disney film that I think people really kind of gravitate towards when they think about mm-hmm. that film. The uh, the song "Trust in Me" that the snake sings in the Jungle Book, 
And the original song is this very cool, like slithery, sneaky kind of vibe that the song portrays because it's the snake trying to, you know, convince, oh, what's his name? I just lost his name. but uh, Mowgli. Mowgli. Mowgli, yeah. So it's that whole concept of the snake trying to tempt Mowgli. So I wanted to take that and completely turn it on its head. So what I did was I did like another piano intro and then turn this into a power ballad. That's kind of what I was trying to go for, like a power pop ballad. So if you notice when you listen to the song the first couple of times, I played the melody like Trust in Me, Trust in Me as, as it's written with the accidentals in there, the little weird notes to make it sound slithery and stuff. Then towards the middle of the song stuff, I change it and just do regular notes. But what that just means in everyday terms is the song sounds more like a pop power ballad than yep. a sneaky, sneaky song. And it sound it makes you really root for the snake <laughs> in this the way that it's played because it's this power ballad. Like you try, I can just imagine the snake like being lonely and like I, I'm misunderstood and I just want people to love me and you know that kind of a thing. And that's what I tried to portray in that song. So you notice like it got a big crescendo in one part and gets kind of power ballady at the end, and then and then it settles back down like softly. But I wanted to have that kind of feel for the whole thing, like you're tapping your foot as you're listening to the song kind of a thing. So that's what I did for uh, Trust in Me. It's, it's interesting because I'll, I'll be honest, uh, for me, I, I think, um, and I always forget what the character, is it Sheer? No, it's not Sheer Khan. That's the, that's the tiger, isn't it? Uh, I forget these names because yeah. it's been so long since I've seen the movie. Yeah, I've not. Uh, my, <laughs> my son got yeah, obsessed I'm with not- the live action one, but I can't remember. Well, the I'm not versed, called. right? I'm not as versed in no. Jungle Book. I love the music. Yes. I know the music, but I can't remember all the characters and stuff. No, no. But uh, I, personally, I think the backstory there of the snake is uh, it was just hungry. And it saw, and saw Mowgli as, as, as a snack. But, you know, that's yeah. the great thing about interpretations, right? You, you, can, yeah. you can make your own uh, backstory for them. But the next track on the album uh, is, is Be Prepared. Lion King... Yes. Uh, was such a, a, I mean, all the you mentioned the Disney Renaissance earlier, which obviously started with the Little Mermaid, and we mm-hmm. had that. We had Beauty and the Beast. We had Aladdin. Mm-hmm. When we got to Lion King, though, it felt like another step up, both in yeah. how it looked, but also the story it was telling and the way it was telling it felt so different to what we had seen in, in the previous films and the Lion King. I mean, obviously, it's been a very successful uh, show mm-hmm. on stage for over 20 years now. Um, right. And it's had its own, I can't say live action remake because there's no live animals in that film. It's all, right. it's right. all computer generated, but it looks real. Um, right. But, but you know, it's, it's, a, it's a film, Elton John. You know, writing you know the, mm-hmm. the songs. Um, it was perfect, yeah. It's such so a good. such a pedigree. But you know, all those songs in the film are exceptional. But there's something about "Be Prepared" that I think stands out mainly because it's the the main villain song. But it's it's an interesting song. But um, when it comes to Scar as a character, we don't we don't find out too much about him. But what we right. do know is that, and you know, obviously. In England, we have a royal family, right? And we've sure. seen very similar between William and Harry recently um, mm-hmm. because one is destined for the throne and the other one isn't. Um, yeah. And that's what we got with the Lion King and we got with Scar uh, and Mufasa is that, you know, Scar 
was the brother who was never going to be king. You know, right. he was he was chopped le- liver. He was spare right. the spare tire. Um, he was never going to get the plaudits of his brother because he came, you know, after. So mm-hmm. he had to live his life knowing he was always going to be second best. Um, unless he obviously did something terrible, uh, which he did. Right. Um, but be prepared. I think is a fascinating song in general, and you know, sung by uh, Jeremy Irons in the film, which you don't yes. expect. You d- you know, he's not known for his singing, and you can argue mm-hmm. he's not really singing it. He's talking it, but it doesn't matter. Like there's just something it, about the song and the works. story it tells, yeah, and totally. the way it's put together musically is. <laughs> Uh, fascinating. It's a great song. It's a great villain song. You know, in the film, as we know, it's a very powerful, edgy, like militaryish kind of. He's calling all these, you know, the hyenas are telling you this is what we're going to do. It's the song he's talking about how to overthrow his brother, you know, yeah. or kill his brother and the nephew. So it's this really powerful song in the film, and I wanted to take that and just turn it so it's more. Like, again, I don't know what other words to describe it, but chill, you know, and contemplative mm. where he's just sitting back thinking, like, should I really do this? Maybe I shouldn't do it. You know, this is, this is not cool. You know, I love my family kind of a thing. So the song on the piano really emulates this contemplative, melancholy kind of thing. Instead of the big, powerful lion scar, we have this more timid, laid back scar. It's just kind of contemplating what should he really be doing with his life. And again, I did a little introduction that you won't, as soon, you know, when it starts, you won't, may not recognize it because it's not the typical introduction for the song, but then it goes into the, to the melody and everything. And it, it's another great song. I love how it turned out. It, the material was great to start with, you know, so it's great music by Elton John. And it was really fun to play around with this song. I really enjoyed it. No, it shows. It definitely shows. Would you believe it? Yes, it is Patreon time. What is Patreon time? I hear you ask. Well, Patreon is an online platform which allows you to support your favourite content creators and interact with them if you so wish. In return for your support you get access to exclusive content that is not available anywhere else and you also get early access to all our podcast episodes so what are you waiting for why would you not want to be a patreon i don't know to me it's excellent value for money um i would say that of course because you know i'm trying to sell this to you but honestly we've got years of content that's exclusively available It makes a perfect Christmas gift, or if you're listening to this after Christmas, a perfect gift for someone you know. So we'd like to use this time to not only talk about Patreon, but also shout out to those people that help support the podcast that you are listening to. So, here we go! We've got Tim and Ryan, Joseph, Hayley, Lee, Chris, Mel, Daniel... Paul, Sandy, Crystal, Nikki, Dan, Kevin, Dave, Tom, David, Elliot, Breaking Dad, Rob, Todd, Jane and Steve, and Stephen. 
thank you to all of our patrons it really means so much to have your support and if you now want to join the patreon and hear your name in a future advert then you just need to join up to our patreon page just go to patreon.com forward slash that podcast and you can find us there and sign up so what are you waiting for um now quite often with your albums there's always a track or two where i go don't think i know that i look at the title and think that doesn't sound very familiar to me um so bill of sale Yes, this is from Pete's Dragon. This was, uh, and I'm sorry, totally, you have to forgive my voice. I'm recovering from a sinus infection. So my voice is kind of like flapping a little bit here. But the uh, Bill of Sale is from a movie called Pete's Dragon, which was released in the 70s as well. It was a live action, live film, but with the, with the dragon was drawn in, hand-drawn, animated. So this movie is kind of polarizing because when you talk to people, they either love this movie or they hate this movie. It's like one or the other I seem to find. <laughs> I happen to love it because I was, I was a kid when my parents took us to see it. So, of course, I love the movie about a boy that this dragon befriends him. The boy's a runaway. He's like horribly abused mm-hmm. with his owner, the people that I won't say owners, but they treat him like a slave. You know, <laughs> yes. they feel like they own him. Like they call him a slave. So it's like he runs away and befriends the dragon who protects him. And then he goes to this town called Passamaquoddy and he meets Helen Reddy's character and she ends up adopting him at the end and she's, you know, rescues him. And then the horrible villains come for him later on in the movie to try to take him away. And it's up to Helen Reddy's character and Pete's dragon, Elliot, to fight them off and protect Elliot, uh, protect, protect Pete, the boy. So this is a song they sing towards the end of the film where they're coming to this town to collect Pete, to bring him home. It's called Bill of Sale because it's, it's total slavery. It's like we have a bill of sale for this kid. We bought him. He's our kid. Like that's how horrible these people are. You know, they think they own this boy because they paid for him. So right. anyway, it's called Bill of Sale. And they're singing how they're going to take him back and we need him. And then Helen Reddy's characters trying to stand up for him saying, you can't have him. You don't love him. You just abuse him, et cetera. So her part of the song has this really beautiful melody, and it's the middle sections of the piece. And the regular part of the song, it's a fast song in the show. It's like it's a medium to fast tempo song, kind of hillbilly-ish, you know what I mean? Kind of hee-haw kind of thing. And I wanted to turn it into this fun, kind of little bit jazzy pop ballad that makes it real chill. And then Helen Reddy's section, which is the middle part, are really beautiful and I wanted to play it like as beautifully as I can with a lot of runs on the piano and beautiful melody so I thought this would be a good fit for the album and I know it's not as popular like a lot of people might not know what it is but I really love the song and like I told you before I wanted to do songs that really appealed to me that I loved yeah so that's why this song made it onto the album it's yeah, a great I, song it's a fun song and that's and that's the thing I think what's good about the work that you do is you know they're, they're full of songs you know we talked a lot about the songs already so up to mm-hmm. up to now about you know our memories of them and you know how good the films are and everything like that but what you you do when you put a song on like that is you go okay that's interesting mm-hmm. I, I, I need to i need to kind of go and investigate where that's from right do you know what i mean like i've seen right I, I have seen Pete's Dragon, but I saw it once a long time ago. Um, okay. 
And I mean, uh, Elliot left an impression on me because he's such a, a fun, cute character. Um, yeah, he's. Yeah. But which which is why the um, I don't know if you I've not seen it, so I, I don't suppose you have either. But they they remade it um, a few years ago. Well, so I did see. Ago, probably a, I a did see the ago. remake. I and, did, yeah, and it's and it's a, a completely different vibe of a film, completely different, yeah. And but also the dragon looks more like what you expect a dragon to look like, and it right. and it lost right. that kind of fun uh, element. I I think right. There's no music. Right. There's yeah. no music. It's not a musical. It's a completely right. different. It's remade for modern times, I guess. And yeah. it was it was fine, but because I love the original, the original is always going to be the original to me. You know, the, sure. the best one. Now, people that hate Peach Dragon don't care. So it's like it doesn't <laughs> matter to them. And I totally get it. I mean, when you watch the movie as an adult, it's way too long. It's like two and a half hours. The um, the villains are horrible. The words in the villain songs are terrible. Like it would never be written today. Sure. The words in those songs, like they talk about tying Pete to a railroad track, having him run over, beating him to death, you know, putting him in a saw and sawing his arms. Like it's it's terrible. It's horrible. But sure. I know Disney had that way in the seventies, right? That they had they made yeah. it slapsticky and then they got away with it. But anyway, that's why I wanted to do this song. I really love the music of Pete's Dragon. I've always loved. I think the music is great, and I thought it'd be fun to put it on the album. And I'll be controversial. Because yes. I love the music of Mary Poppins, but uh, just mm-hmm. like what you were saying about Pete's Dragon, like Mary Poppins is a long film, and yeah. there are there are obviously great scenes in it, and there are, are mm-hmm. iconic scenes in it. But most of that is because of the music. And right. when you actually watch the film, and I remember we sat down with my my daughter, I think before Mary Poppins Returns came out. I think we decided okay. she was going to go and see that. So we thought we, we need to make sure she's watched the first one. And we hadn't watched it for a while. And when you're watching it, with a, especially with a, a, a younger kid, you're like, God, this film is long. <laughs> it's it's long, really right? long. And, I, and the thing is, yeah. it's blasphemous because so many people grew up with Mary Poppins and have this right. undying love for the film. I didn't. I, I only okay. really watched it properly as an adult. I'd seen clips, you know, mm-hmm, you saw mm-hmm. bits on Disney shows and stuff, but I never wa- sure. watched the whole film. And when you do, you're like, God, it's really long. It doesn't need to yeah. be that long. Um, but the songs stand out. So I think even with uh, the films that maybe you're not so keen on, there's mm-hmm. still often things you like about the film. Um, sure. So maybe even if you're not a fan of Pete's Dragon... That's you know the music from it might be the thing that you do kind of get drawn to. So I think it's great sure. that you put stuff like this on these albums because, oh cool, as I said it it does make you then go, okay, well I want to hear the original. I, I I'm gonna right, you know what, sod that. I'm gonna watch the film. I, I know the songs right. in the film. I'll watch the film. Do you know what I mean? And then you might find something you you like that you wouldn't have um, seen had you not heard the song. Or you might hate the film, but like the music. So it doesn't, <laughs> right, you know, you'll you'll win. You'll find something uh, in it, um, which nicely ties us up to the next track, which um, yes. you mentioned previously, uh, Hellfire. Um, the Hunchback of Notre Dame came out at a very weird time for me. Um, okay. I must have been uh, about thirteen. I think it came out okay. in '96. So okay. that was very much at the stage 
where I was too old for Disney films. Sure. I couldn't go and see a Disney film. (laughs) I need to see other films. Uh, I'm not going to go and see this. I'd seen Toy Story the year before, but, you know, I'm not going to go and see another cartoon about, you know, a a scene Hunchback. And everyone I dated pretty much, which, I mean, (laughs) I'm not a stud. It wasn't many people. But nearly everyone (laughs) that I dated before I, I got married seemed to really love The Hunchback of Notre Dame. And I didn't watch it until um, my wife, um, I think she bought it on DVD or she had it on DVD and said, we should watch this film. And I sat down and watched it as an adult. And it's a really great film. And I can understand why people loved it so much. But it was, it was at a time when it wasn't just me that had kind of like started to drift away mm-hmm. from Disney. A lot of people did. It wasn't a, it wasn't a huge hit. No, it was not. It was, was not a hit. And then, and that's like the run. Cause then you had, uh, Pocahontas and, uh, Mulan and Hercules and all that. Yeah. yeah. And they all, you know, they did okay, but they were mm-hmm. not the Lion King. They were not using the beast. No. They were not Aladdin. No. You know, they weren't that successful, but people that loved them, did love them um so watching that film as an adult i was like man this this is great i mean it's full of great songs it's dark but not too dark but certainly darker than a lot of kids cartoons were at the time um and it's a great story you know i think there's a lot of like good elements uh in there a lot of good morals um so the fact that you picked a a song from this film i think is great well, I love Hunchback. It's one of my favorite films. I It's one of my favorite works of Alan Menken. I thought his work on this movie was just brilliant. The songs are so good. They're so deep. There's so much to bite off and chew in this music. There's just a lot. And that's why I think the movie didn't do so well, because it really wasn't a movie for kids. It really wasn't. This is really an adult film. I mean, this, the themes and everything are really adult-ish. You know, yeah. and I, so that's why I don't think it went to one. It was darker, like you said. It wasn't light and like The Little Mermaid and Beauty and stuff like that. This was really dark. So that's why I think it didn't do well. But it's some of Alan Macon's best music. And I thought Hellfire, the Froyo, is like the best villain because he thinks he's good. You know, he's religiously, yeah. he thinks he's religiously good, but he's so far off the mark from what that should be. And that's what makes him the perfect villain because he thinks he's doing what's right but it's so wrong but his song hellfire is so good and talk about adult themes i mean this song is basically about his lust for esmeralda and him saying if i can't have her no one's gonna have her i'm gonna kill her like that's the song yeah so i wanted to turn this around and make it more into a soft little ballad where he's so where he's almost like timid and shy you know instead of this forceful guy it's more timid and shy and reserved uh, but I love how it turned out, and it was so fun to record it because it's an Alan Menken song, and it's one of, one of my favorites of his. So it was really fun to do for the album. I really enjoyed it. Well, it's it's funny, um, Hunchback, because you would think because it's set in Paris and they have a theme park uh, in mm-hmm. Paris that mm-hmm. it would be something that they would kind of shine a light on, and they they don't really. But yeah. they had a. Um, they had a castle show um, a few years ago, which they're just bringing back, putting it back out of retirement due to popular demand, um, okay. called um, Disney Dreams. And okay. it was one of these shows where they, uh, it, it was in fact the first uh, like nighttime show where they 
did uh, projection mapping on onto the console. Oh yeah, oh, so it looks okay. really beautiful and animated. And the best, and they, I mean, they go through a lot of the classic songs that you want to hear and stuff. But mm-hmm. the scene that stands out the most is when Quasimodo comes out mm-hmm. of one of the windows of the castle, um, which at that point is supposed to look a little bit like Notre Dame as much as it can do. Um, sure, sure, and start singing out there. And he he's he's swinging around uh, the mm-hmm. castle, and you know, hanging on to like the turrets and and bellowing yeah. out. And it's such a uh, amazing uh, song, and it's such an amazing sequence they put on the castle. And yeah, it had bits of Frozen, <laughs> and it had bits of Peter Pan, but yeah. that was the bit that everybody loved. And it it's weird because again it's it's a film that people don't really talk about there's no presence of it in the parks right. anywhere right. and yet i think people do genuine genuinely love the film and love the music but i wish it was kind of i wish it had a bit more representation i understand yeah. as you said it yeah. was dark and maybe right. that's why it, it did what it did but it, it deserves a bit more love and so you've you've given it that with your interpretation. So, you know, thanks. <laughs> well, thank you, Nick. I hope I thank you. I hope I did. I hope it brings back the, yeah, the music a little bit because it's just beautiful music. And that that movie just breathtaking to watch because even that scene you just described in the film is breathtaking to watch Quasimodo, yeah. the way they animated it and him walking all over the place or running like through, off the turrets and hanging off. And oh, he's at the sky, he's at the top of the sky here, you know, singing this gorgeous song, this ballad. It's just, it's a beautiful, it's a great. So anyway, that's why I included Hellfire. I just I had to do that for Notre Dame. Yeah, no, wonderful. <laughs> um, now this is a song that you know, again, one of the more popular ones that people always kind of, uh, you know, when you when you talk about or you, when you see like a list of like best Disney songs, this is probably going to be mm. on that list somewhere. Uh, Cruella de Vil. Cruella de Vil. It's a Disney classic. It's a yeah. Disney classic villain song for a reason. It's a great song. It's, you know, it's from the 60s, so it's that jazzy pop kind of music yes. that was that was popular then, which was fantastic, so fun. But I wanted to change that, of course, to make it more melancholy. So I turned, instead of the jazz, swingy kind of feel, I turned it, what we call music, just playing it straight, which means just playing it more like a pop ballad. There's no rhythm, there's no like jazzy rhythms in the song. All that I took out and just put like another cute little piano introduction and then played the song kind of as it is with most of the accidentals in there, but I just slowed it down and made it more chill. And it really, I thought it really worked out well. I think the song still sounds good, even when it's being played at this slower pace. Because, you know, we all know the song's more medium-tempoed in, in the movie. Mm. And this is a slowed-down version, but the melody's so great that I think it still sounds good when it's slow. Yes. So I had to have Corella on the album, which is it's one of the best classic Disney villain songs. Oh, it's, she's one of the the the, the yeah. classic Disney villains, right? You know, from a from a, a design point of view, she's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Sure, uh, what she's trying to do is horrifying. <laughs> it's you not know, so fun, right? Exactly. Right, but you know, it, it's funny because um, 101 Dalmatians was another film that I never really. We didn't own the video, so I never really right. saw it when right. I was a kid. And they did the live action film in the nineties, and then obviously mm-hmm. we talked earlier about they made her own film uh, fairly right. recently, which I I really loved actually. I really like that okay. Cruella film, um, but she's a she's a fascinating character, and it's weird mm-hmm. because 
this is a song about her, not sung by herself. And right. Yet it encapsulates mm. everything about the character. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's just the song explaining who Cruella is, yeah. which is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. So the way I wanted to record it was make it more of about like where she's just more meditative, you know, yes. like it's her thinking about herself, but thinking in a more positive light. Yeah. You know, like she's a good person. So that's kind of the feel I was going with this song. She's a she's a good person with bad fashion tastes. That's that's exactly. essentially that's the who best she way is. To put it. Yeah, exactly. Nick, that's that's perfect. I like that description. Hey, perfect. You, you can't be uh you can't be hosting podcasts for as long as I had without coming out with some classic banter like that. <laughs> um, now the next song, um, Grim Grinning Ghosts. Yes, it's again. If you've never been to a Disney park it's not going to really mean much to you at all right you might have heard it on a like a Halloween album or something because you do you do sometimes find those types of songs on on those weird compilations there's mm-hmm. not enough there's not enough spooky songs what can we put on there oh Grim Grinning Ghosts you know it's got ghosts <laughs> in the title for god's sake um but anyone that actually knows that sequence uh in the Haunted Mansion funny enough it's actually also in uh Phantom Manor which is the Disneyland oh, Paris okay. version. But the Disneyland okay. Paris ver- version of the Haunted Mansion, although it has a different title, it's it's a it's a similar ride in terms of the vehicle, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of there's a ballroom scene, you know, you see the ghosts you okay, know, dancing. Right, right. But the actual story of the ride and the other things you see, a lot of it is is unique to that attraction. It's got a completely different backstory uh, to what the Haunted Mansion is. Uh, it's not as jolly, it's European, so it's much darker okay. in tone. Um, okay. But they remain. The Grim Grinning That's Ghosts cool. are still there still in there. the attraction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, well, I've heard that. I have, I've never been there, so I haven't ridden that right, but I've heard it's different mm. than the ones here. And I've been to the one at Disney World and then the one here in Anaheim. I, I, when I moved to California, the first time I went to Disney World or Disneyland, I was blown away because I think the Haunted Mansion at Disneyland is the best. It's just yeah. the best. It the, the 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 way the house looks, the overlay during Christmas oh. with the Nightmare Before. It's just it's so much fun. I don't know why they don't do that in Florida. I just I don't know. It is but. a complete bucket list for me because Nightmare is. I remember seeing Nightmare Before Christmas at the cinema. I see a funny story. It's, this is, uh, you know, this is a handbrake turn. I appreciate that we are going off piste, but I will, I will tell this story. I don't care. Um, I used to be a big comic book fan when I was okay. uh, younger, so I'd get the American comics um, imported over, and I'd, I'd read them. And I remember seeing a poster uh, or an advert in one of the comics about the Nightmare Before Christmas, and all, all this was was a picture of Jack Skellington. Um, and Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas, um, October 1993, or whenever it opened, right? Okay. And I was mm-hmm. like, I need to see this film. Um, and because of how things worked back then, um, we didn't get it in 1993. We had to wait until the Halloween of 1994. So I'd oh, heard about okay. this film, and I, I knew it was about this skeleton character and that's all i know i hadn't seen any trailers because we didn't have the internet really then to watch trailers mm-hmm. um yeah. but i saw this look of a character and i was like i need to see this film and i remember like saying to my dad when this film comes out we need to see it 
And I remember going to see it when it first opened, and there was hard. I, I, I want to say there was about three or four people in the cinema watching it with us. There was like no wow. one. It it just <laughs> did not do anything. Uh, it wasn't okay. really pub, uh, promoted. It wasn't really advertised. But I saw it and I loved it. I became an instant mm-hmm. fan. And for years, it kind of felt like similar to Hunchback, another lost film. You know, a film that mm-hmm. if you saw it, you loved it, but no one really seemed to care. And then all of a sudden, the millennium happened. And then everybody loved this film. And then mm-hmm. the merchandise started. And, and the merchandise is everywhere. And it still is now. And everyone loves Nightmare Before Christmas now. And it's great because I like buying merch. And I, I've bought many Nightmare Before Christmas stuff over the years. But when that film came out, there was nothing. I couldn't buy anything. Um, no t-shirts, no toys, nothing. Now you can't nothing. go to the park. You can't move for the stuff. Um, so that is an absolute bucket list for me to go to Disneyland during that Christmas period so I can actually go on this attraction with the holiday overlay. It looks amazing from what I've seen. Um, but I, it, it's an interesting question. Why not Disney World? And no one's really yeah. answered it. I've heard, oh, because of the, the slight difference in design, it's harder to do... Maybe, maybe. I, I don't know. I'm sure there. I'm sure there must be a way of of doing it. But again, it's interesting you mentioned about the differences in rides because Pirates of the Caribbean in Disneyland is different it's the best. to Disney it's World. It's the best. I yeah. agree. I have to say now. I have when I first went to Disneyland, I didn't really like it because it was it's so small. I've always been used to Walt Disney World. That's where we always went when we were growing up. Because I I'm from the east. I'm from Ohio. So right. we would always just travel two hours south. In Disney World, I mean, there is nothing like Walt Disney World. It's just, there's nothing like it. I mean, when you go down there, you just get immersed into the environment. You know, it's a whole world. It's way different than Disneyland. And, and Epcot is my favorite park. So, of course, Disney World has my heart. But once I moved to California and I went to Disneyland a few times, I started to really fall in love with it because it's very charming. It's the park that you know Walt was in, that he walked sure. the streets and he helped create it. And just you get that feeling when you're there. It's a really special place. And I really have come to love it. But I do have to say, I think Haunted Mansion, uh, Pirates Ride, and It's a Small World here at Disneyland are way better than Disney World. I just, the Disneyland, It's a Small World, the whole facade is on the outside. Mm-hmm. And they decorate it for Christmas. Like it's all lit up at Christmas time and it, it's gorgeous. So it's a lot of fun. I really like it. Um, but I love Haunted Mansion. You know, I love it in both places, of course. But the, the yeah. Christmas overlay is fun. And I wanted to put Grim Grinning Ghost because I knew it would fit well. I think it would be cute, you know, yeah. to have on the album. So it's, And it's a great song. If, if you are a Disney fan where you go to the parks, you'll, you'll, of course, know the song for sure. Yeah. No, I think, yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. No, nothing it's, more I can add to that. It's It's such an iconic song. It's a fun yeah. song as well. Yeah, you yeah. Know, it's great. Really great melody. Yeah. Yes, it's it totally great. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, I loved putting it on. There was a lot of. I turned it into a waltz again. Turn it into like a more waltzy Vienna kind of a thing, and it, it's really cute. It's really fun. I, I like it. Now, I would say with your albums in gen in general, are normally focused on classic Disney or a, like the kind of Renaissance time. There have mm-hmm. been times on your albums you've done something uh, more modern. Uh, yes. But I would say that, you know, 60s through, well, no, go back further, uh, 40s yeah. through to like the, the 60s, 70s is kind of like 
where I expect to hear your music on your albums. But you do okay. venture um, into more modern stuff, and that's how you yes. close this album, right? Yes, I did uh, Mother's Knows Best from Tangled. So, again, it's another movie. I loved Tangled. I thought it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love the music. Again, I think this is Alan Menken, right? Again, I think he did the music for Tangled. Uh, yes, and yes. He's he's one of, another one of my favorite writers. He's just so talented. But I wanted to do Mother Knows Best because I love the music. I thought the 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 song is is great. But I downloaded the music and I noticed I noticed a lot of times he talks sings through the songs. So there was a lot of places where there wasn't melody, and I thought should I do, go through the song and just input the melody where I, it needs to be and just repeat it and stuff. And I said, you know what? No. I was playing around with it and it wasn't working. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to save this song for a different album and a di- later date, put on a different one. But then I thought, no, I want to have this on there. And I thought, why don't we end the album with just like a minute and a half long version of the song, like a little end cap, you know, like a little mm. ending to the album. And yep. I think it turned out perfectly. It goes through one verse and a refrain or whatever, and that's it. But it's yeah. done in a really slow, pretty, beautiful kind of way. And I think it changes the song from the uh, the movie version where she's really, bo- not boisterous, but it's a really fun, catchy song. But she's really discerning in that song and telling Rapunzel, you're never leaving this place, you know? Yeah, she's, she's interesting uh, in yeah. that song because it's quite jolly, but she's mm-hmm. being quite nasty. She's being so, a horrible villain, yeah, yeah, in the song, yeah. And the thing is, I mean, that that is a film where they they made sure there was a kind of um, roundness to the character, so you understand why she's like she is. And right. that doesn't mean that you agree with the way she's right. doing stuff, because obviously mm-hmm. it's not nice, but you understand that she's been kind of put in this position where mm-hmm. she's been able to find a way of, of making sure she doesn't age and, and that's really important to her. It's just sure. it comes at the testament of, you know, keeping this poor girl that she stole. Yeah, <laughs> that she stole, she kidnapped, right? But, yeah. but it's innocent in, in her eyes because she doesn't know any different. You know, right. Rapunzel doesn't know that she was stolen as a baby. Right. You know, it, for all intents and purposes, until, you know, the story progresses and she finds out the truth, um, right. you know, this is her mum. And all this okay. stuff is, well, I'd like to go and, you know, venture outside, but, you know, you're telling me it's dangerous. And right. I don't know any, how can I know any different to that? You know, that's right. her world at that time. So you can under, you can see with that song, you know what's going on, but she doesn't. Right. So right. it's, you know, we know it's a, a, a bad song and she's, you know, doing things for the worst reasons, but she doesn't. She's innocent to this at the moment you know in, in right. that period of time so yeah it's it's a it's a very interesting uh juxtaposition there of of, of like <laughs> how you view that song but it's it's a great song it's a great song yeah she's totally she's like totally grooming rapunzel you know in this way that you're never gonna go out it's horrible outside you can't live out there and it's totally uh, what do you call it brainwashing it's like a brainwashing thing you know but yeah. it's done in this great pop fun song, you know, that the, the mom sings. So I wanted to just slow that down and put a nice little spin on it. And that it, it, I think it ends the album really well. I thought it turned out really good. I love this, how the song turned out. I think it's a good ending just to, to the whole theme. 
of this villain thing. So I thought it was pretty cool. No, no, it, it was. It was a great way to end. And speaking of ending, we've come to the end of the album and we we've haven't <laughs> as yet discussed where people can listen to it. You know, they've they've heard us go through the, the, the songs like a director's commentary right. of, of sorts. Uh, but right. they now are like going, well, enough talk. I want to hear it. And, you know, we're not going to put the album on this, this podcast episode, but where can people uh, find this album? Sure, they can. It's on every streaming service. So if you have like uh, Spotify or Apple Music or Amazon, you know Google Play, whatever. It's it's everywhere. Just look for my name, Tom Amin, or just look for the title. Even villains have a soft side, and it's there. Uh, or you can go to my website, TomAmin.com. Or I'm sorry, sorry, TomAminMusic.com, and there'll be a link right on the front page where you can go to your favorite streaming service, or if you want to download the MP3s, they'll be there. But it's it's available everywhere for people to listen. Yeah, and I can confirm that's exactly it. Uh, I'm on your website nice. now, and you've got links to all the streaming services, including Pandora, which I don't know, and Deezer, which yeah. I have heard of. That's the high-definition one. Um, I, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah it's literally uh, like when people are flogging books you know it's available in all good bookshops uh this is available yeah. in from all good streaming services you can you can listen to it how you wish exactly and i think it's even on youtube music i think you can look it up i i think like it's there oh, wow. too or because i don't have youtube music so i i can't check it but i think it's up on youtube <laughs> and it's 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 everywhere so i don't think you'll have a problem finding a place to listen to it fantastic and so the last question i've, I've got for you um uh, i think we do in nearly every interview with that is uh what's next you know what's what, next you know have you have you i mean it's 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 always awkward to ask this question because you've just mm-hmm. released an album you want a bit <laughs> of downtime you don't want to be you know thinking about oh god what's next but really what is next have you have you thought about what uh the next album might be I have actually, because I do always think about what, what's next. Once I release an album, I do like to enjoy it a little bit, say, okay, this was great. But I am thinking in the back of my mind, what should I do next? And I do have a couple ideas. I think the next few things I think I'm going to release are going to be original music stuff. Mm-hmm. But I do have a good idea for the next Disney album that I'm trying to flesh out. So nice. I, I don't have like really specific details, but I definitely have a new a new idea for the next disney album and for the next one what i'd like to do is add other instruments so it won't all the songs won't be only piano i think i want to try to do an album that mixes a bunch of sounds with it so that's what i'm thinking about for the next one well all i can say um and obviously i'd have to record my parts remotely um you know being in england um and uh, you know unless unless you know a music is like wants to fly me out first class to california um <laughs> but i can um i'm i'm i wouldn't say i've mastered um but i'm pretty good on the kazoo and the triangle so you know nice. if there's parts nice. if there's parts that you think you know maybe nick <laughs> uh might be able to help out on the album then you know i'm, I'm just putting myself out there i'm not you know by all means don't don't use that you know if you if you that don't find the right role it's fine i understand uh but if you but if you do uh you know if you think hey, you know what this song needs a kazoo solo that's what it right. needs it needs a bit more I, kazoo um I, I can i can help you out um so i'll know who to call there you go your, yeah exactly i know your number i know where to get a hold of you <laughs> uh, but tom it's been 
as always, a, a pleasure. I hope um, our listeners go and find this album. Uh, go and listen the hell out of it. Um, you know, tell us, tell Tom, don't tell me. Doesn't matter what you know. You telling me what your favorite song is. Tell Tom. Uh, yes. You know, you can you can drop a message on his website. Are you on socials at all? I am. I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. It's either Tom Amin or Tom Amin Music. If you look up Tom Amin, just my name, I'll come up. And I am on social media. So send me a message or whatever. Yeah, I love to hear what people think and what their thoughts are and what what songs they like or what songs they didn't like, like what's their favorites. I love hearing it. So definitely. Yeah. For sure. And drop him some ideas. Say, you know what? I really want (laughs) to hear this song from this obscure Disney film. You know, people won't be telling you to put any songs on from Strange Worlds because there's not any. Um, but (laughs) (laughs) but I'm sure there are there are some. And that's not Tom's going to record them for you, but it might inspire him. Who knows? You never know. Who knows? Exactly. (laughs) Feel free. I agree. I like it. I like it. Oh, Tom, thank you so much. Obviously, uh, you're welcome on any time. You've got something to plug, but uh, you know it's. As always, been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for uh, going through your album with us. And thank you so much for having me, Nick. I always love coming on to your podcast. And and thank you. Thanks for uh, helping me try to spread the music across the pond. I really appreciate it. (laughs) So I really do appreciate the support. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure talking to you. You too. You too. This podcast is a that production and part of the After Dark Podcast Network.